Dear human, dear soul, I welcome you to my podcast series Conversations with the Universe. Since a near-death experience, I have the gift to communicate with the subtle energies of the cosmos. This happens in a form of deep meditation in which I ask certain entities of the world beyond to communicate with me. As one of the first contacts with the other world, my old friend and teacher, friend of the Indians, showed himself to me. And it is now a great pleasure for me to introduce you to these conversations as a supplement to the books. Please excuse me if the terms and our articulations are not perfect. Our mother tongue is German, but we try to translate it to the best of our ability. Thank you for understanding. Dear friend of the Indians, we have learned a lot about powerlessness already. I mean that this term has come up again and again in the context of spiritual contamination and the change in awareness as a result of this contamination. We talked about the perceived powerlessness of the soul, which is no longer able to produce a lot of movement in this state and which in turn does not allow for transformation or at least not a great deal of transformation. Further, we have seen how much this impedes the willingness of the soul to expand. So we have touched upon the subject again and again. What would you like to add to this now? You can never really understand all the spheres and levels of the trap of powerlessness, which is a part of the cosmos, albeit the dark form of the cosmos, because it is as complex as the source itself. It is a shadow world that exists in and out of itself, but that ultimately has no real reason for its existence. By which I mean to say that powerlessness is a self-created, self-inflicted state of feebleness. No cosmic energy ever wishes to be or to become powerless. No being wants to live in feebleness. No healing energy will develop from a state of powerlessness. Yet, ultimately, the possibilities created by a state of powerlessness can serve as the decisive trigger for the aspiring soul energy to give itself permission to serve the energy of light and through this to help the other feeble energies on the one hand and on the other hand to lift its own energy through this act of support, thereby ultimately healing itself. Therefore, this powerlessness is not so much a negative as a useful aspect of the cosmos. But do not mistake this powerlessness for a lack of connection, because although the one may feel like the other, I am talking here about the lack of energy created by thoughts of the ego, by the soul that tarries or wanders aimlessly through the cosmos. But let me go into even more detail. A soul's lack of strength is based on the contamination of its energy. You have learned this already. You also know that the soul can heal through action 
and service with sacred intent. But what I have not yet spoken to you about is that there are spheres and forms that are subject to a sort of interaction because of wrong choices, of egoistical choices, of unloving choices. I will do this now. It is our actions, our thoughts and the love guiding our choices that shape us. But if these actions, deeds and thoughts are devoid of love, repercussions are created in reaction to this. Imagine a spider that weaves a net and lives in it. But a net that a human being weaves in coldness and negativity will in turn become cold and negative, negative to him. This means that as this net grows larger and larger, it creates connections that can last forever. But only the positive, loving impulses sent by the human himself can ever re-establish a loving balance within this web of negative reactions and resonances. I mean to say by this that the path of the soul is not a one-way street, as you would call it, but you need a certain awareness to make conscious choices in order to walk this path in a positive manner. But the limitless power of immobility induces us to create forms that take away more of our energy and so, finally, we come full circle. For when you live in unawareness, tightly ensconced in a self-created web of negative actions and reactions, unable to recognize the interconnectedness of all souls, then this construct, which is ultimately a part of your contaminated awareness, begins to drain your soul's energy. I mean to say by this that it is exclusively your unawareness and as such the ego and its selfish choices that cause your soul to lose energy. But why does it lose energy? After all that you have already learned, the answer should be relatively obvious and close at hand. But I will happy to provide it again. The soul wants to expand. The soul wants to blossom. It wants to live like a bird unfolding its wings. But your egoistical choices have the same goal. But as they are so tightly bound in human laws and structures, humans forget the superior importance of the soul's power that perceives things in a different way. With this I mean to say that they would have made different choices had they remembered the soul. The ego looks at the details and makes every choice with its own personal abundance in mind, whereas the soul looks at the big picture and always has the abundance of the cosmic soul at heart. They cannot both work at the same time. So ultimately the soul, utterly disregarded, loses its power to expand and to grow at a time when it should do just that.
This is when the ego grows. Then the soul begins to create a cocoon for itself, which is no longer in the power of the human to access. So if you live the ego to the exclusion of any knowledge about the existence of the soul and the connectedness to the cosmos, you walk the path of the unconsciousness of the soul. This unconsciousness robs you of your power and causes you to believe that you can regain this power through an array of egoistic and other-directed choices and actions. Through this, you create a number of sidelines to your story, full of illness, suffering and despair. You keep looking for your lost power outside of yourself, yet you do not realize that this power lies dormant inside of yourself. Dear friend of the Indians, that brings me to two more questions. On the one hand, it isn't as if nobody ever walks the path of the soul. Many understand, well, let's say at least some do. For instance, they realize the suffering brought on by their unconscious actions and their repercussions and that there is such a thing as the path of the soul. Unfortunately, usually after much suffering, but well, at least they do. That is true. But in order to make people's personal responsibility for their own actions quite clear to them, even more admonitions that these are required. Yes, there are some people who work on these concepts. But you, yourself, through your activities, know how few there really are. Yes, unfortunately, that's true. Especially since walking this path does not mean that you have put aside your ego and its choices. You are still a mixture. It is impossible to switch into the other mode completely. That is exactly the problem. When you walk the path of the soul you will not immediately be consistent about it. Many come to a standstill at some level and then leave the ego. Yes, unfortunately, this is very true, unfortunately. My second question was, since the soul is a large part of our energy system, when it then goes to sleep in the body and encapsulates itself in a state of unawareness, What is the energy that a person, a person largely lives on it on in these cases? This is a very good and important question. I thank you for that. The people who do not live in the consciousness of their soul's connection with the source receive their energy from nature and from their thoughts. But both of these sources are somewhat limited. For when you do not give out into nature, you lose energy. If you entertain negative thoughts, you will lose energy. But even positive thoughts are ultimately just thought energy. That is nothing in comparison with the cosmic energy that comes to you through the connection with the source. 
in order to make this quite clear, because I know how easily these things can be misunderstood. Of course, we are all still connected with the source, only the connection is very weak. Is that correct? That is correct. Of course, the people are always connected with the source through their soul, but this connection is very weak. If I could, I would paint this for you like a thin line that represents your own connection to the cosmic forces, while the true representation of this line would be a broad and luminous line. If you want to imagine the true difference between these connections, they imagine drawing a person onto a sheet of paper. Then draw a thin pencil line representing his connection. This is the connection that people have when they act unconsciously and are completely ego-driven. Then take your hand and draw a line on both sides of your palm. Then you see how broad the connection could be at its highest potential. This connection is many times as big, strong, powerful and effective. I can hardly find the words to describe how unworthy a life is that people live when they choose the path of the ego. But let us not waste too much time with the description of the ego. It is a part of the path of humanity, to let the ego develop as a part of your spirit and then learn to overcome it, turning it into an instrument instead of becoming its instrument. This is your homework as a human being. Dear friend of the Indians, I understood very well and I thank you for this image. You did a wonderful job because it really conveys a good impression of how crucial these states of energy are. But can you really say that it is the ego and nothing but the ego that is the cause of this powerlessness? Yes. Okay. So ultimately this means that as long as we live in a society that does not teach us any spiritual well values what's over, we will be working towards losing more and more of this energy. That is exactly the problem. For your society neither lives nor teaches spiritual values, and so you neither learn nor are being taught consciously how these are connected to your energy. That means that from the very beginning of your lives, you are doomed to live a life where you can only lose in the sense of lose energy. It's a constant loss of spiritual energy that was still whole at the time of birth. But with every day that the ego blossoms, the soul loses more power. We really understood, we really understand this now and you have explained this very, very well indeed. Most people would now say, oh, well, but doesn't religion take care of this? I must direct your attention to this subject now, because after all, the religions all boast of being able to re-establish our connection to God, to the divine power, etc., through their teaching and their example. I am deliberately asking this question now, because in none of these institutions, 
institutions have I ever met even one person who had the power that you just talked about, but instead they appeared to me to be rather pale and somehow lifeless in a sense. I feel that they are powerless because they, it is hard to describe, appear to be somehow lifeless. Lifeless is the right word, yes. Please, what can you tell me about this? We are talking about the religions of this world. This is the hardest test for your egos. Hmm. It will be the final test for your ego to recognize this mask and then to remove it from your life. It starts with the people who disseminate these teachings. If you take a proper look at them, you will not be able to detect any joy, love and wisdom because they live by the power of their ego. And it may sound terribly blasphemous, but I would like to direct the attention of the people who read this book to the structures that surround you. Dear humans, please take a good look at the people who teach these doctrines. Look at them very closely. Ultimately, Doctrines that are nothing but empty phrases and do not live the connection of the soul will teach you nothing but fear and negativity. The institution of the church and all the institutions connected to it present, the most common path to you. Islam is another such loveless form, for it spreads the doctrine of the ego and does not teach the freedom of the soul. On the contrary, it forbids joy, it forbids laughter, it forbids the blossoming of the soul. All of this and then other religions too, such as Buddhism, which teaches doctrines that sounds wise, but ultimately do not allow freedom, especially as far as the balancing energy of the female is concerned. All of these religions, as you call them, which do not liberate the people but disseminate, constriction, propagate the ego. They ultimately propagate the ego and in no way the power of the soul. Dear friend of the Indians, then please let us seize the moment to describe what the people can do, apart from no longer looking to the religions for guidance and therefore to stop supporting them. What can they do in order to strengthen their spiritual power? That is a beautiful question, my love. The power that you seek, dear humans, resides inside of you. Maybe it will take a little time, but it is possible for you to gather more energy than you can now imagine. In order to do this, you need love and mindfulness, respect as responsi responsibility. That is all. I need to follow up on this. It is not enough when we tell the people to be loving, respectful and mindful and all of the other things you named. How can we walk this path? I mean, really walk. Please give us something definitive, something that we can do step by step. We have already described the method of daily purification. Yes. This is the first path. For only if you purify yourselves will you be able to change your perception mm. 
and then you will receive the right impulses via this perception. But I would also ask you to seek connection with the source by praying to the sun mm -hmm. every day and by seeking to connect with it. Just feel the connection to the sun. Imagine that it is the source. Then your energy channels will open consciously and more energy will flow through these enlarged energy channels. But this is not just sunlight. It is also cosmic energy. You will receive and store this energy as in a reservoir and your soul will begin to grow. Then you will receive new insights and you will be shown your fear which you will please, please overcome. Fear is not a cosmic energy. Please never forget this. Whenever you encounter your fears, you must take a good look at them, trying to reflect and to understand where they come from, and then change the perception of these fears. I would like to give you an example. You know the fear of dark spaces. Yes, I know this fear. You are only afraid of them because you cannot see in these spaces, right? Yes, that's right. Then I will, I will describe to you what happens when you begin to experience consciousness. Mm -hmm. You can actually see in dark spaces. With this I mean that after a certain time, your eyes and the receptors in them will begin to adapt so that you will be able to see a little more than just shapes in this darkness. Even at night, you will be able to use the last vestiges of light in order to find a passage through a dark room. Something similar happens when a person begins to walk the path of the soul. He will gradually become aware of the true instruments of perception. And these initiate instruments will bring a little more light into the former darkness. It will take some time and it requires some patience. But ultimately this is what will happen. At the end of the path you will no longer perceive this space as darkness but as fluted with light. Darkness is nothing but unawareness. But with every day that you exercise your awareness, it will become a little brighter. This is a beautiful image, and I believe that we can all relate to it. Is it possible for a person to come to earth and to develop such a strong ego that his soul will never be able to blossom during his lifetime? Yes, unfortunately. Wow. And what happens to these souls that have led such a disempowered life? This powerlessness will remain with them. This, unfortunately, is a big problem. Because if you have sought to gather ego power all of your life, then you have depleted your soul of spiritual energy that will not be restored to you after you die. The problem is that during transition you will not expand 
but remain in the state you were in when you died. We will talk about this in greater depth another time, won't we? Yes. This means that a soul will lose energy during its life and then remain in this energy state during transition. It will remain in the same state in the intermediate world, right? Right. Is intermediate world the correct term? It's not important. If you want to call it intermediate world, you can do so. But ultimately, it is the first world. Yes, okay. I know what you mean. So, all right. They remain in their feeble energy state in the first world. And then? Then they start over. The soul tries to establish itself in a new body in order to grow. But perhaps it will experience the reign of the ego again. And then the whole process will start over with the added potency of gathering even more negativity. Mm -hmm. Difficult relationships, actions and reactions in your web of interconnection. Oh dear, this means that if a person has lived many, many lives in an unconscious state of being, then he had created a huge web of contaminated actions and reactions. It must be madness to try to unravel that. <laughs> it's not madness, it's cosmic law. Hmm. If you choose this path, you will have to suffer the consequences and create balance. Speaking of balance, would it be possible for a person who has lived so many lives and established such an incredibly huge net of negativity to balance all this out in just one life? Does he, has, does he even have a chance for this? There is no judgment, my love. Your own impulses and your energy remain for eternity. And I cannot pass judgment on this. If you have walked this path, you will also have the possibility to create balance. How quickly this will happen is impossible for me to see. Okay. I reckon it is all a matter of willingness, intention and the energy behind this. And when you walk this path truly consciously, you may have a better chance. Would you consider a monastery a good place for a person to accelerate the creation of balance? Possibly. But I would not consider a monastery a place of liberation in itself. You need liberating, balancing and loving impulses. How could a place that is all about constriction give you liberating impulses? Well, we could experience internal liberation in a monastery, couldn't we? You could. But your soul will only expand if you experience expansion and love in a state of liberty. In my own opinion, the cleansing of the soul in such an institution is not very far-reaching. It is possible, but it will not go very far. Expansion is the spiritual goal. People who talk this path, who, sorry, people who walk this path, who seek spiritual expansion, should try other venues. They should seek the path of expansion in all directions, but first and foremost and exclusively in loving directions. Where, how and when they do this is their own choice. 
You can create a spiritual cloister, if you wish, your own inner sanctuary. But you should seek the expansion of your actions outside of such a structure. Hmm. But there are people who, for example, go to a monastery and write books. Isn't that also a sort of expansion, for they are spreading themselves very widely? That is true. But ultimately, their soul has not experienced true expansion. It has given expansion, but not experienced expansion. Uh -huh. But the goal is for the soul to experience expansion. Okay, I give up. <laughs> I just wanted to introduce the concept of people entering a monastery and receiving enlightenment there. The monastery is right for part of the way. But it is not my universal recommendation. Okay, I understand. So that means any structure in which a person can simply be human, do good deeds and grow spiritually is the best form, right? It is, as long as it does not create suffering for another. All right, but that is hard, of course, as long as you are a part of a human structure, but it is possible, right? Right. Okay, dear friend of the Indians, I think you have described fantastically well how powerlessness is part of human existence and what its effects are. Would you like to add anything to this now? No. Then please tell me what you will teach us about next. Well, let's talk about life. Wow. Okay, I'm looking forward. Thank you, love. Thank you, Sylvia.